Chief Yuya podcast number 19. And then we are now looking at boundlessness and infinity and uh, more specifically how the representation or the misrepresentation of what we allow to be put around us blocks are constituting into the essence of boundlessness or into the modalities of infinitum. Okay, so uh, let's jump right into it. You know, straight, no chaser. The only thing that really blocks us from moving completely into a place that we want to move in or into a place that we want to go is our creating of matter around us that is like us or even us blocking and stopping ourselves. The first thing that you should understand is that uh, the creation path for anything that manifests itself goes from being to consciousness to life to matter. So it all starts at being. Then it moves into a knowing or a consciousness. That consciousness then creates life and life creates matter so that it can experiment and play with things. It needs matter and it uses that as kind of like a laboratory or an experimenting ground. But okay, so what does this have to do with boundlessness and and infinity and how we're, we're blocked and stopped? From those places All right So the first thing to understand Is that we represent Or we understand The shape and the form And the boundaries Of a particular thing We understand that By its relationship To another thing Similar to it So for instance If you were trying to understand The concept Or the shape Or the limitation Of a thought You wouldn't use A car To understand Where a thought ends You would have to use another thought to interrupt that previous thought. In the same instance, a car doesn't necessarily have an issue uh, going against a cloud, you know, or going against something that is so dissimilar to it that it would go right through it. It doesn't really affect its being, but it would have an issue going against another car or another object that is just as hard in material and substance and formation as itself. So often you hear me talk about and I've done shows on this where I've spoken about sometimes the judgment that we allow to befall us from people who are outside and alien to our own culture and essentially how what their judgment is really does not matter it really doesn't matter or it shouldn't matter to us how they judge us or how they perceive us because again they sit outside of our realm they sit outside of the representation of our personal and impersonal ciphers okay so once we understand that we understand well then there's really nothing that they can present to us that would stop us in the same instance a cloud or any other gaseous form uh sending a a a judgment towards a, a car or judgment to a squirrel or judgment to a human being doesn't really affect the liberty of said human being because by substance they are so they are so different Okay, so it takes similar substances, similar entities, similar personalities, similar people to stop the movement of another one. So just like a body, a body becomes finite only because it encounters another body. A thought becomes finite only because it encounters another thought. And the only way that that second thought can stop the movement can stop the progression of said first thought is if it's larger than that first thought. 
So it has to be excessively bigger or excessively larger in order to stop it. And the same thing with a body. A body can only be stopped by a larger body. Okay. So our boundlessness and our, and our searches for legacy through infinity only pokes uh, holes in our process when we decide to manifest something that is similar or larger or we perceive that it is larger than what we are. Now, how is this or why, you may ask, is, it, is this a relevant subject? Because, of course, everything comes back and deals with our new theology and our new calculation and the uh, work that we do in order to form checkpoints throughout our own lunar cycle to make sure that we're ascending and moving towards where it is that we want to be and that our reality is understood and that the sources of our own trouble are understood. It's a very important thing. You know, a lot of what we do in order to shatter the temporary powers that exist around us are acts of personal initiation, you know, and it is through pushing through the fears that we have about per our own personal initiations and removing um, the blockages from our own desire to be intensely watchful about all the things that are around us. It's the only time that we're able to diminish the anxiety and diminish the, the greater, larger um, impacts that science, religion, and even materialism have on our movements towards where it is that we want to be. So in order for us to truly manifest this, our new life, in order for us to truly to manifest the nationhood that we speak about in our new life, global ministries, one of the things that we have to always look at is the dangers of the traps that we set for ourselves. So, so many things exist first from it, from an esoteric perspective before they, they exist in the exoteric perspective. Right. So, and to address that, a lot of times people or, you know, early on, people would you know, sometimes once in a while have issue with the amount of wisdom that I may offer to the public. And they would always share about this idea of secrets and, you know, well, you shouldn't be talking about this and shouldn't be talking about that. But the truth is, it doesn't really matter what you share. First of all, and the, the idea of secrets or secretism is really most of the time a fixed concept. Held by pseudo gurus, gurus and pseudo intellectuals. And what they do is they use the terms and the ideas of a secret in order to disguise and veil their own ignorance. You see, so they call everything a secret because the truth is they really have nothing to give of their own or they're really just not as intelligent as they would uh, imply to other individuals that they are So they start to speak about the, ne the necessity for secrets And the truth is Like I said There's so many things that We no longer have to remain Quiet about Or um, we have to remain Quiet about or, or modest In our expression of them Because the truth is In any, any real Aspirant or any real um, teacher, any real student, and the people and, and the temples of advanced paths—if you know—we could call it that—knows that in order for anything that we're speaking about on an esoteric level uh, to be properly activated inside of the individual, 
there has to be an inner initiatory right that has to happen first. And there's very the, the road is very narrow. There are very, very, very few people who have actually gone through proper internal initiation where that which is transmitted creates an inner revelation that now allows them to demonstrate those things that are being said to them or being taught to them. It's so few and far between. So let's just say if I had a room of 100 students, there would probably only be one people, one person, excuse me, there who can actually apply everything that's being said because they've gone through the proper internal rights. So just to give you an idea of how rare it is, because I know when I use language like that, the narcissism, the narcissist in people causes them to raise their hand and immediately say, oh, that's me. I'm evolved. And the one who raises their hand first say, oh, it's me. It's never them. Because someone who is truly evolved at that level never really knows it. You know, the truth is your God doesn't know it's God. It takes you have to tell it that it's God for it to know that it's a God, you know, because it, it doesn't perceive it only it only functions and works in the absolute wholeness of itself. So in order for it to identify itself as something great, it has to step outside of itself and look and watch. And that's the creation of humanity. But if it's functioning as a high functioning being and it has not negated from itself as of yet, it doesn't even know its greatness. It doesn't know that it's this great student, this great teacher, this great God. It doesn't know those things. It may know that it's great. It may know that it knows more than you. And that it can function at a higher rate than you But you're the one that says Well then you're my God Because of your perceptual relationship That you have with that individual Or the perceptual relationship That you have with that power Or that force Or that energy You see So you create a definition And a boundary in your own mind But if you have someone Who's functioning at at a higher rate They're not creating boundaries because nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, you're going to find that they have not encountered anything or anyone like them. So because they have not encountered anyone like them, they're moving in a boundless manner. Nothing has stood in front of it yet to stop it. If you think about some of the great artists of our times, even some of the great unmatched minds of our times, one of the Things that always comes up, you know, the wonderings and the curiosity is how far are they going to go? How far will they go? How far would they have gone? Because we've not seen anything or anyone else like them to stop them. You know, you take a basic music music example. We were able to see the limits of even a Rakim when Nas came along. We were able to see. The limits of uh, um, of a James Brown when Michael Jackson came along. You see, we never saw the limits of Prince. You know, but there's certain energies that come along that show us, oh, okay, this is as far as this goes. We never saw the limits of a Bob Marley. You see, so it is through that it is we we become finite. When we encounter something that's similar to us or made of the same shape and substance, if that doesn't exist within the thing, then there is no place to judge 
what we actually are. You see, there has to be the same substance constituting the essence of two things in order for us to perceive one thing through another thing. So, for instance, if I am a a deity living a human experience, in order for me to evaluate or to judge or to understand another deity living a human experience, I first have to acknowledge that my essence is deity. And through that essence, I'm able to perceive that next thing. I'm able to even judge that next thing. But without that, I can't perceive or judge. And I certainly cannot stop its path and stop its movement. It's impossible. Now, remember, like I said earlier, the movement of manifestation begins with a being. There's just a beingness. And then beingness goes into consciousness. Consciousness creates life. Life creates matter. You see. And in and, and each stage, there's a falling, there's a wrapping of, of something that otherwise would be too great and too massive or what we say even too terrible and destructive for us to perceive. If you look at many of um, the older creation tales, right, you have this idea of some type of primordial darkness and whether it's a primordial water, you know, or it's just a primordial void you know and a, a primordial abyss abyss we see that out of that that primordial state there's a what we would call a luminosity and a luminosity begins to uh emerge from it as a single point but prior to it it the luminosity just exists inside of that um those primordial waters or that primordial state. It just exists within and, and, and underneath, you know. Um, and then what happens is if you look at even some of the stories like of the world egg, you know, that speaks about that. And it's this egg or, or even stories that speak about the lotus flower and the lotus flower, how it rotates and moves. And through its rotation, it spins itself and which is really the idea of an atom. But it spins itself you know, into what becomes a creator, you know, or, or an archetype of a, of a perfect being. Right. Um, and we have this same type of depiction throughout many, many creation stories that, you know, there's some type of spinning and an emerging and a self creating and, you know, the light is separated from the darkness. And then now we have this full light body or this full body of light. But what then needs to happen is that, uh, this brilliant light usually is so deadly, it's so destructive, it's so lethal that it then cloaks itself in some sort of veil, you know. And um, in some stories, some creation stories, the veil is actually cow skin, blackened cow skin. And uh, some stories, the veil is dust, you know, and, and other stories, it's, it's just different things. You know, um, you have some stories where the veil is sapphire. Uh, some stories where they get that the veil is is gold. Um, lapis lazuli is another one that is that is often um, used as a veil and different creative stories, you know. But all, all the while, ultimately, um, there's this great um, flesh, you know, light of, of flesh, if you will. And it's it's um, kind of covered in some form of um, splendor that darkens it or, or sullens it. 
you know, so that way, and that's a form of sacrifice. And that's a sacrifice so that it could be understood and that it can, you know, um, like I said, that lapis lazuli, or, or like it could be um, processed by human form, all right? Um, some have even, the stories of, of the black bull, like a black bull becoming, you know, the encasement of this great luminous light. But nonetheless, if I have created myself out of the darkness of the abyss, out of the avoid, and, and I now come into a space where I have a body that I've decided to wrap, you know, and which hides the secret that lives inside. Uh, nonetheless, it would take another being of the same substance. We're talking about Anu now. We're talking about the Anu story. So just to make it very clear, because, you know, we, we broadcast these segments in a public forum and everyone likes to have their opinion but i'm only talking to the people in my movement and all the rest of you you know you're you're being able to you're able to participate in the listening so it's like sitting outside of the temple and listening to the aspirants inside of the temple but um i don't express any of these things as a creation story or a creation way for everyone because we all have our means and modalities of creation and when we start to try to localize what everyone's creation should be That's the creation Then we begin to create what we call the mystery gods You see That's when dogma comes into the room Alright So I'm only speaking about this, The, the secrets of, of Anu Where you have again like the bull ritual You know um, You have the understanding of, of, of Enlil and Inki And uh, you know we'll speak about that um, Behind closed doors for the Anu people But but in, in any event Like I said So the, Again takes the realization that In order for you to stop me My evolution In order for you to bound me In order for you to make me finite You have to be like me And you not only have to be like me You have to be like me And larger than me In order for you to stop The progression Of where I'm going So like I said earlier, you know, we're speaking about sometimes the traps that we set for ourselves. Right. And um, of course, the, the worst trap that one could ever have is the trap that you set for yourself, because that's the one that we're usually most masterful at setting. You see, and the traps that we set for ourselves are always built around the lies that we tell ourselves. And sometimes we think we need those lies <laughs> just to get through our day. You know, just to get through what we're doing, like we get up in the dawning and I, <laughs> some people you hear them say, oh, another 24. Let me get up just one more day. Let me get up. I got to do it. You know, it's not one more day. You may have another, you know, 600 more days, you know, or seven or eight or, or even longer than that to go to this particular job or do this particular thing that you hate doing. You know, but sometimes you have to lie and. You have to kind of hype yourself up, you know, internally in order to do what it is that you you want to do. Right. And the idea of, of setting a trap for yourself and suppressing sometimes your own doubt about yourself or suppressing the, the doubt that you may have about a particular situation um, 
it it lends itself to ideas like, well, fake it until you make it. You know, it's a term we use a lot. Fake it till you make it. And ultimately, what what you want to happen when you fake it until you make it is eventually you want to start to to like they say, don't believe the hype. You want to believe your own hype. You know, eventually. But there's a there's a there's a web that can happen as well from setting traps like this for yourself because the more you pump yourself with the hype of certain behavior and the hype of certain comments you get better at doing it and what happens is you start to believe it yourself you see and it gets stronger and stronger the longer it goes you see um Years ago, I worked in the IT field, as some of you know. And there was a time before I was, you know, much heavier into, into network engineering, where I ran a, I ran a help desk. And a help desk is the line you call, but it was an internal help desk. So, like for the actual company itself, it was a very large brokerage firm that I worked for. And, um, you know, so end users, what we call them, EUs, end users would call in with the different issues. I uh, can't remember my password. And, we, you know, we worked with people on the trading floor. So it, it's a very, very hectic environment, very stressful environment. So, you know, someone may be trying to get a trade to go through and their computer freezes or something happens and they got a million dollar trade on the line. And you got to tell them, look, um, you got to reboot your computer. You know, people will call and be like, you know, my mouse isn't moving and my keyboard's not responding. This, that, 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 that nothing on the screen. And I have a, I have a trade up and you got to figure out a way to tell them that that's done. Cause you know, these things, they, they go by the minute. Like I had to put this, push this trade, trade through right now, you know? Um, but nonetheless, there was a saying, I remember, um, when I used to train people, and I, there was a saying I'd always, I always tell them, the first thing you got to remember when you get your very first call is to remember this. Users lie. If you can remember that, you'll, you'll be able to pretty much work out and figure out anything that's going on with, with the computers. But never take what they're saying is truth because they always lie every time. My keyboard stopped working. Oh, did you spill something on it? No, it just stopped working. Keyboard's typically don't do that and even with the computer there's not a whole lot of moving parts back then there were because you had fans and you had um ceramic hard drives before now you got like solid state hard drives so there's no movement you know but the main things that moved on them were the mouses and the keyboards you know but pretty much for the most part there's not a lot of moving parts so there's not a lot of wear and tear that a computer actually goes through with the exception again of the power supply fan the cpu fan and um, the hard drive again. If you have a a regular rotary ceramic, you know SA, SATA or IDE uh, hard drive, right? Um, back then we were using even SCSI hard drives. But anyway, that's all tech talk. So first, you got to remember that the users lie. Don't believe anything they say, and that helps you to begin to figure out where the crippling is and how to begin to diagnose the actual issue. People will call, would call and say, my password isn't working. And you got to already say in your mind, this person doesn't know the password. My password isn't working. Your password, password works. That's why it's a password. It allows you to pass. If you're typing something in and unable to get in, then you're doing something wrong. 
So you'd be on the phone and they'd say, my password is right. And they'd be going off, going crazy. This keeps happening. Da, 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 da. And then you'd say, you say calmly, ma'am or sir, uh, do you have your caps lock key on? What? Do you have your caps lock key on? And then you'd hear a little click. And then, and then they would be quiet and they would say, uh, uh, I figured it out. And they would hang up. You didn't figure anything out. <laughs> you had your caps lock key on. You know, and I deal with that a lot, even in spiritual work. You know, people call me with issues. You tell them the actual solution and then they'll get off the phone before they get out. Well, I guess I'll figure it out. You, there's nothing. I just told you the solution. You just don't want to. Your ego is, is out of control. You just don't want to admit that I just told you the solutions. Now you want to. Try to trick yourself into believing you just told yourself your own solution. You know, like I always say, is the people like who cheat on the test. What you get for number three? Oh, that oh, yeah, I got that too. Well, what you get for number four? Oh yeah, that's what I got too. You know, no humility. You can't admit that something that's larger than you is now in front of you. So therefore, you can't continue to go into an infinitum on your same trajectory or your same path. You see, but like I said, the worst traps that we set are the ones that we set for ourselves. It's the lies that we tell ourselves and we can't stop telling ourselves. So, again, like I said, we feel like in order for us to continue, especially like in like say in that environment, like a brokerage firm, you're dealing with straight ego. Everyone in there is egomaniacs and they have to hype themselves up and some use cocaine to do it. You know, some use a lot, a whole lot of other behavior, expensive suits and whatnot in order to believe their hype because they're selling that hype to people every day on the phone. Yeah. You know, buy this stock and invest in this and invest. In I'm telling you, you can't win. I mean, you can. Yeah, you're right. I'm telling you, you can't fail. So forth and so on. So they have to hype that up. And, and really, it leads them down the path of of narcissism and really being a sociopath. You see, because you, they're now programming themselves with this with a set of behaviors and attitudes that really are not genuine. You know, it's a very unattractive choice and for a God to make. <laughs> so now, again, let's look at again the ideas again of boundlessness and, and infinity. And like I said, something can only be limited by another thing of the same nature. And a lot of times we allow ourselves to be limited by individuals who are not of our same nature. You see, so let's say, for instance, those of you who are new, who are part of this ministry, who are part of this work, a part of this movement. Someone could say to you, well, you do know that the Anunnaki is, is evil. Why would you be a part of something with Anunnaki? Well, are you a part of it? Are we coming from the same perspective? Do we have the same creative essence inside of us and intellect? You know, because you can only perceive my intellect through the substance that's constituting your essence. If the substance is counted, constituting your essence is the same substance as constituting my essence. If not, you are unable to perceive my intellect. And truthfully, I can't perceive yours. You know, sometimes we ask people, what would make you do that? Why would you do that? We're made of different things. See, one thing you should know about. The substance that people call the devil Because we're going to see how we use the term God The devil is is made of its own substance It's not made of divine substance It's made of its own material substance The devil is pure material 
See, the divine is pure essence. See, that's the interplay between, you know, matter and non-matter or light and dark. And of course, they have to be present in order for creation to come forth. You see, but each thing is made and constituted of its own thing and exists and it's conceived through its own thing, not through something else. You see, and that's what what makes these deities that people love to worship um, absolutely infinite because they are infinitely absolute. And they they consist of um, attributes and expressions that are eternal and infinite within its own essence. See, that's the science of the zero. The zero represents absolution. It's it's totally full within itself, like a full moon. You know, it, it's it's whole nature is absolute within itself, you see. So in order for you to judge a zero, you have to have something that's created from that same substance. You see. So our knowledge can be affected of ourselves by our willingness to give up our essence or to transmute or to misunderstand our essence. And we can create, like I said, being, consciousness, life, matter. Sometimes we can create matters through the willingness of our own consciousness. We create matter that goes against us. So essentially we create our own obstacles. We create our own stumbling blocks. You see, it's not a family curse. We have to deal with with higher thoughts and higher reasoning in order for us to continue to move into infinity and not create larger bodies that don't exist. It's like standing in front of a large cloud and saying, well, this has to stop me. This now bounds me. This now prevents me from going into infinitum because we're not using logic. So a lot of times, like I say, when you bring to me something that you can that you consider to be something that's in existence and I start to uh, get you to a place where you can conceive it through your own logic, it falls apart. And then you make an emotional decision right there. And and that that point right there to say, I'm going to still move and travel through something that's affecting me. That's not logical and probably doesn't exist. Or I'm now going to involve logic within my existence and foundate myself upon a true idea that I have decided to agree upon. And you decide which direction you choose to be compelled in, which will be either I'm going to go into infinity or I'm going to be bounded and contained right here in this moment. Because my natural impulse and natural direction is towards infinity. You see, that's how this thing goes. We're naturally moving towards an outer state of forever. We're actually actually naturally moving into a conception and attributes of true generosity that consists of moving always towards freedom and a life that now exists beyond all barriers. That's what we do naturally and normally. You know, even though we sacrifice what we are in order to be veiled in this dark flesh, you know, this lapis lazuli, this sapphire, this onyx, you know, this melanin, this skin. That, that we all rejoice and enjoy so much. Understand that it is a sacrifice because we are too destructive and too deadly in the full essence of our state. That cannot be revealed to everyone and everything. So as we twirl and we spin out of the abysmal waters or the abysmal darkness and we create these light bodies for ourselves, the only thing that can bound us is also the body that we create for ourselves. 
So the body itself becomes a hindrance, becomes an, an, an obstacle, despite the generosity of a, of a vivified heart, if you will. Despite that, we create this thing, but we hold the key to the gate because, because we have created the body. We have created the stopping point. So you are naturally boundless and infinite. And the only thing that prevents that is the bodies that you create outside of yourself. Anything other than that does not exist in its illusion. This has been another Chief Yuya podcast. Peace to all the Anubians. Peace to all the women in the women's group who have signed up, you know, who have applied for the women's group. There's an application process, of course. And for those of you who made it in for this um, session and, you know, we'll be taking in or we're still reviewing the applications that come in, but we're, we're doing it in sections. So if you've applied and you've not heard back is because we're bringing cohorts you know, um, a certain a number, a certain number at a time. And uh, men be on the lookout for changes as well in the Anu men's ministry. All right. This is Chief Yuya Jagna of the Anu Nation and head instructor of Sedulu House. Uh, and I am now signing off. Peace.